This is Facebook's first data center located in Prineville, Oregon. It's got buildings big enough to fit four football fields in, and all of it so that you can view that Throwback Thursday photo whenever you want. Data centers, centers that run nonstop and need a steady stream of energy. Monsters that overheat and need air conditioning to keep them cool. According to the International Energy Agency, the data center industry accounts for approximately 4% of global electricity consumption and 1% of global greenhouse gas emission. It's an energy-intensive business. That right there is digital pollution. Do the math and you'll find a Google search is equivalent to 5 to 7 grams of carbon dioxide. An email weighs 20 grams of CO2. That person who's feces another 6 grams. To top it off, the carbon dioxide emissions of data centers are comparable to that of the aviation industry. A 2015 study puts data center usage at around 300 terawatt hours per year in 2020, which was roughly 2% of global demand. But as services like video streaming become more prevalent, data center energy requirements have only increased. The data center industry is responsible for more greenhouse gases than commercial flights. If every day for a year you send out around 30 emails, you'd produce as much CO2 as a 1,000-kilometer car ride. And so the pressure is on for them to achieve net zero emissions. To cool down its data centers, Google set up shop in Finland. Facebook has a data center 100 kilometers away from the North Pole. Microsoft is also finding ways to reduce energy consumption, including by going underwater. The growing intensity of computing power, as well as high performance demands, has resulted in rapidly rising temperatures within data centers. Because all of those computers stacked together generate a lot of heat. More computing means more power. More power means more heat. And more heat demands more cooling. The traditional air cooling systems consume massive amounts of power, which in turn contributes to the heating up of sites. So what can we really do about this? Oregon's nice and cool, and Facebook realized that it can take air from the outside, mix it with water and computer exhaust, and find a way to cool its computers without needing to use energy-sucking air conditioners. Why cold air? Well, computers can't run too hot, or they just don't work right. They also can't run too cool, or they have the same problem. Our guest today, Bharat, is at the forefront of this exact problem and is working on some very exciting sustainable methods of reducing data center energy footprints to help us achieve our net zero goals. Join us as we continue the conversation of how to keep data centers cool. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed, and we're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. Yeah. And just to paint uh, the costs here, right? I mean, that's staggering. Like, uh, we were just doing some research uh, on this, Bharat. There are some estimates that the consumption of energy by data centers alone has swelled to 1% of global electricity use. So that is significant. Now, you, you could make... Um, so, some remarks to that would be, hey, what if everyone had their own servers? It's probably going to be even more. But we can't look at that that way, right? We got to attack the problem. The, the problem here is 
data centers that power the cloud that powers everyday work, everyday work, play, leisure, whatever, is amounting to 1% of the global electricity use, right? So how do we solve this problem? Uh, this is huge costs. Air cooling is a huge cost um, to run the mechanical cooling equipment, fans and chillers and stuff like that. So considering that, you know, this is a huge cost bucket, right? 30 to 50% of a data center's energy consumption just goes to cooling and ventilation, right? Average being about around 40. Like, we come to this incredible concept that um, you are actually working on. So this is really novel, really cool stuff. Just wanted to kind of lead into that and try to get your take as to all your impressive work within liquid cooling. Yeah, so uh, uh, again, I uh, just wanna give fair credits to you for the groundwork. Like you mentioned, the data center as a whole consuming about 1% of the total world electricity generation. So we are talking about 200 terawatt hours per year. So that's higher than Germany or India, for example, the entire industry put together. Wow. I didn't know that. So yeah, I didn't know it was more than Germany yeah. and in, like yeah. So uh, as yeah. a as an industry by itself. So uh, you know, like you mentioned, we have a bigger role to play uh, as engineers within the industry to to take care of that chunk and make sure uh, we are not you know just overpowering or over provisioning uh, these equipments and uh, not having to cool them when it's not needed and and you know spot cool them when it's needed. So. And also to write along the uh, roadmaps of these different heated components. When I say heated components, those are the CPUs, your GPUs or SSDs. And those uh, get into higher power territory levels. So uh, our iPhones and our phones and, and our computers, laptops have constantly been uh, on the upward climb in terms of performance. That comes from the CPU power, that comes from how effectively you can take care of that CPU power. So uh, like you mentioned earlier, we are slowly transitioning from air cooling to liquid cooling. As an industry, there are multiple chunks and I'm just gonna focus on how liquid cooling helps in, in cutting down the operational expenses and also in cutting down the initial you know, capital expenditures because liquid has high heat carrying capacity than air. Mm. Uh, for example, water is about 4,000 times better than air and some of the dielectric fluids that we use in immersion cooling technologies are about 2000 times in terms of how, how much heat carry they can carry for the given volume of fluid. So you are uh, uh, cutting down on the, the usage right, right away in the first place. And comparing to uh, blowing that enormous amount of uh, air uh, using bigger fans, that might consume uh, a lot of power compared to using a pump and, uh, and the plumbing and the hoses to, to route these fluid through. Uh, so, and that's where your majority of your uh, cost cut down. So you, the majority of the cost cut down comes from the size reduction because of going away from humongous air handlers to uh, what we call a school and distribution units, which, which only take up the space of a rack, for example. So it comes with uh, size reduction, material reduction, and then of course the embodied carbon of these different materials that goes into, uh, goes into the size reduction. And now when we come to the the, the performance, you could uh, uh, you could extract you know 500 watts for the given form factor compared to uh, 100 watts for that given form factor from air cooling. So that's where you know the the performance boost comes in, and that translates into you know energy efficiency 
for for the people at the facility level and that translates into m dollars and money for the at the business end so that's how you are able to negate uh, you know the energy expenditures and energy efficiency problem there yeah and it's it's not just spend i mean just to paint a little picture of of why this could be a, a problem for certain communities like west london experienced um an, an issue with the power grid recently, which you've been probably hearing about in the news. You know, if you're you're an average person, you've definitely heard about what happened in Texas with with the t the power grid being overpowered and whatnot. So in West London, they had this issue where, you know, we have a bunch of these companies applying for um, applying for uh, energy permissions to set up data centers, right? And ninety percent of the applications in London are in this small town in in West London. Ninety percent of the applications. And the local community there is a very small population. It's like 180,000 people or less, right? And the, the power that the data centers use in that region are more than the local population's consumption, right? And so they had this period of a little over two weeks where they had to reduce consumption and even in some cases in some days completely stop consumption of energy because of how much that region was using. So... You know, to paint a picture of why this this is ac actual an issue that could affect local households, there's more data centers coming. I mean, <laughs> there's more people who are going to be onboarded on the cloud. So it's not yeah. something that is is going to disappear anytime soon. And the monopoly of these big four or, you know, FANG companies, let's say, that are creating these data centers also have some monopoly over the use of that. For example, in Princeville in, in Hawaii, for example. Facebook, I think, uses 500 megawatts of that that energy in that specific era or in that specific town in Hawaii, uh, Princeville. And if they wanted to get more energy, they can request it and get that energy consumption that they want if they needed to increase capacity. But for a new company that's coming in that may want to create their own facilities, that's not the same case. You know, People will be fighting for these contracts and you don't have big dollars. You can't compete in that game. So the interest comes with with the companies who have the money who are able to do that. But yeah, just to give some example of like the economic perspective of why this is, you know, an issue for the yeah. average person. Dude, another thing. So I live in Texas, right? Uh, this summer, uh, when the grid was really congested, right? Uh, electric, everyone were running their ACs. And um, so what, what the, the state government did was they actually requested, pleaded with all the Bitcoin mining uh, rigs and servers out here to stop for a day for during the peak hours because they were sucking from actually that electricity going to houses that need it. So it's interesting how this this dynamic has started to play out where it's so hot outside you need um, you can't you need the grid to actually be able to equitably distribute to the houses. Uh, and here there are these GPUs sitting in the mining Bitcoin mining rig that's taking up all the electricity. Yeah, that's why it's so critical to solve this problem. Yep, that's all. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, Bitcoin industry is so uh, becoming big and you know one of the biggest consumers of the electricity uh, out there. Um, so yeah, uh, and 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 following your example, the Hawaii, uh, and also I just want to point out a few examples. I know we're going to touch about that maybe down the line. Uh, you know, for example, in the Northern Europe, uh, in Holland, Amsterdam, Sweden, 
uh, you know, people are, the local municipalities are like, hey, uh, don't bring your data centers here anymore. We are, we are already struggling with your enormous amount of, uh, you know, uh, data center power usage. So, so we have to come up with uh, ways or techniques to, to, to convince them, hey, we are not going to consume a lot of power. Rather, we're going to, you know, you know, so, you know, power them by ourselves using renewable energy techniques, so and so. And in fact, we're going to give more power back to you, uh, back to the grid, and we we we're going to share some of the heat to you guys, so you don't have to, uh, you know, use your energy on our data centers. So that's, uh, you know, that's where you know the data center heat recovery, those application comes in. I know we we're talking about you know transition between air cooling and liquid cooling. I I went all the way to yeah. the facility level heat recovery. But I just want to point that out since we mentioned these examples. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, refrigerators became a big thing. Every household had a refrigerator. The coolant in the refrigerator had CFCs and HCFCs, right? The chlorofluorocarbons. And that resulted in this whole ozone layer depletion. It's crazy how, you know, more like day-to-day use of something resulted in this massive hole in in our ozone. Now we, we were able to fix it. We came together and stuff uh, as all nations actually came together and they were able to address these these uh, these coolants and have better high quality coolants in that sense so with regards to the liquid that you're using is is the industry already there that they have already learned from the the mistakes of the past and used those new age new compounds to actually absorb the heat more efficiently more sustainably yeah so um you know, to to us, uh, to 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 all our humans, uh, to to the world, uh, you know, water is by far uh, the most energy efficient uh, fluid of choice. Like it has enormous heat carrying capacity, uh, and it's abundant in few parts of the world, and it's you know scarce in other uh, parts of the world. And more importantly, we cannot be using water uh, sitting next to your electronics. So in, in, in a worst case of uh, leakage or in some accidents or during a disaster or earthquake, you know, the water is going to burst out and it's going to, you know, quench all your server hardware and, you know, going to incur you a whole lot of losses. You don't want to be part of that. But water is still by far, uh, you know, the great heat transfer fluid. And that's when, you know, the clever engineering systems are out there to make use of water as a fluid choice. But now to get into your question on 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 few proprietary fluids like you know the refrigerant type choices like the PFCs, uh, the 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 fluorocarbons, the hydrofluorocarbons, and some of those uh, 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 what we call as you know global warming potential fluids uh, GWP. So whenever we use the fluids, we want to make sure that uh, the the ozone depletion factor and the global warming potential factor are really, really low, that even in the worst case of leakage or, 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 or bursting of your entire facility, 50 megawatt facility thrown or shattered apart, we don't want to make sure, we want to make sure that we are not harming the server hardware, and we want to make sure we are not harming the environment or the, the locations that we are uh, you know, keeping our facilities. So there has been enormous amount of focus and dedication and research coming from 
all these you know different uh, you know uh, players starting from the fluid suppliers uh, who could be uh, there are a variety of fluid That's suppliers awesome. i'm not going to point that out but you see there are just i'm uh, just to name a few traditional fluid suppliers from exxon 3m shell uh, bp and all these big guns have you know fluid choices and all those uh, conglomerates and then all these guys work with uh, you know the different stakeholders of the industry coming from the chips the wires and cables uh, so all uh, networks switches uh, all these uh, you know different uh, bodies come together and make sure hey we are not you know adding more uh, carbon back into the atmosphere we are in fact taking away uh, the carbon from the atmosphere by adapting these uh, cooling technologies so that's the whole theme of our ongoing research and development in fact so again uh, just don't want to keep pointing out sustainability because you know that that's been a uh, the topic all across the industry but you know yeah. sustainability is right on uh, top of our uh, uh, you know uh, scope uh, more than the performance or more than the energy efficiency yeah herculean task right collaborating with so many different aspects you have the chip manufacturers the data centers the cloud companies the you know there are just so many so many moving parts here I know we have covered data centers being sustainable in many different at many different points of this conversation so maybe in this case we can you can talk a bit more about the waste heat recovery you know um how you can use the heat and actually power help like communities around and stuff like that yeah. So I guess at a very very high level what these different tech industries help cutting down the emissions first option would be to go source the renewable solar yeah. wind nuclear yeah the Big major one. part of the emissions is going away from the fossil fuel stage for powering our data centers or natural gas so that's where the majority of the emission reduction comes in but for example microsoft have been established in the 1970s have been working for about 50 years now and they have enabled billions and billions of people they have enabled several countries work and they have enabled so many 100000 applications across the globe now how can we cut down our historic emissions for example mm. now how can you cut down the things that we have done in the past for 40 50 years so that's where uh, the carbon pledges comes in like hey Uh, we as a company cannot just be using the natural resources and consuming you know more power uh, us has a similar goal that hey us want to cut down their uh, emissions by like 2050 india want to cut down their historic emissions by 2070 so all of these uh, countries have got goals uh, like hey we cannot be adding any more carbon back into the atmosphere we cannot be consuming more water uh, than been replenished so all these have been slowly getting into the minds of the big companies have been getting into the minds of these different governments out there now to to get a little more technical uh, on how we are doing it uh, like how how we are uh, bringing down the historic emissions so uh, you know uh, the big, the big uh, give back would be so Uh, to have a forest station like you know bringing the forest back again uh, the bring that ecosystem back again so that's uh, that's the bigger way uh, we could you know bring in more uh, you know trees billions and billions of trees planted and they need to be raised for the next 100 years so that they can take it off uh the carbon that has been emitted for the last 50 years or so so those are and 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 bio uh bio soil and those are new new techniques 
now i can get into few mechanized ways uh, like you know we we've been our industry as a whole uh, oil and gas and automotive industry and all these industries have been using energies taking fossil fuels and emitting it back into the atmosphere as an industry how can we do the mechanized way of cutting down the emissions on top of uh, these natural ways uh, of forestation and bio i mentioned for example in a traditional conventional data centers like i said the free air cooled data center which is there in northern europe right now they bring in air at 35 degrees celsius cool down your data center facility or cloud space and then the the air goes out uh, at an elevated temperature let's say 35 or 40 degrees c depending on uh, what season summer or winter or where exactly your data center is located and that 40 degrees celsius is constantly spilling out of your data center right we are we are powering these data centers 24 bar 7 and we are maintaining a 99.999% uptime so we are pretty much keeping these data centers alive all the time meaning you are already always going to have this constant air supply exiting out of your data centers all the time but you know the air like i said it's 40 degrees celsius air right and uh, i mentioned earlier you know to us thermal engineers the air is merely an insulator you go to chennai or you know southern part of uh, south india it's already at 40 degrees celsius what can we do with <laughs> what can we do with 40 degrees celsius uh, air coming at all the time but you know we have a facility let's say in a 100 megawatt facility spilling this uh, 40 degrees celsius air all the time we call it a low grade or a low quality heat uh even though it's heat it's in a low quality uh meaning there are not many useful applications for this 40 degrees celsius here so we try to lift that heat up from like say 40 degrees celsius to let's say 70 degrees celsius and use it to a greenhouse located next to your uh, data center facility using a wow. uh, using a heat pump for example which takes the heat from 40 degrees celsius and bring it up to 70 80 degrees celsius and we could you, you use that heat from 40 degrees celsius to all the way to 100 degrees celsius and use that as a, a domestic water application or domestic heating application to the entire community uh, sitting right next door to your data center facility of 100 megawatt facility and that could help power like let's say 5000 to 10000 homes out there that that could help us uh, you know replace the domestic water usage which comes in about 60 degrees celsius for washing our hands or using the laundry we could replace those water usage for example now all these different applications from district heating laundries greenhouses carbon capture systems all can be they making use of the low power low quality waste heat coming out of our data centers and and use it for a useful purpose of course all these comes with uh, uh, an added capex and uh, and an uh, opex to goes with it but this could help replace uh, uh, a certain chunk yeah. of uh, uh, carbon emission associated with powering them using a natural gas or a fossil fuel powered domestic water yeah right now if you're in an apartment in an apartment or in a house uh, in the us uh, india is a bit different because there you know solar water heating and stuff is a lot more pervasive right now in the us there's actually a tank underneath your building that is boiling water using fuel and that water then moves up to the rest of the building so this is fascinating where you could use a data center heat the heat that's anyway coming from that data center bump it up the the amount of efficiencies you get by just taking that from 40 to maybe 70 and then using that to then power your household water heat and water temperature um you know manipulation for laundry for vessels for showers 
Yeah, that's that's significant. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You you were right on target. Yep. Yeah. It, it's not a novel concept as well. Like it's these these approaches are being adopted across the world. Like for example, one thing I can point out is uh, my girlfriend's father has a strawberry farm, right? And it's in a glass house. Glass house, super efficient. Um, they collect uh, a lot of energy over the years and use a lot of energy. Um, but at the same time, during the winter times, they have a lot of excess heat that um, is generated by the, the glass house. And what they do is there's a local church that um, houses a lot of uh, uh, homeless people okay, in this area. And so what they do is they donate all that excess heat to this church. Okay, it's right nearby, Whoa. and you know That's they've insane. been doing this for years. And another thing for for the U.S., right? Like recently, I'm working on a project right now that involves reporting to the SEC how much we spend on sustainable projects. This specific spend, where whether if it's capex or opex, both get reported to the SEC, is an incentive for companies to spend on these type of activities because governments are starting to track, right? Governments are starting to track. So this type of spend will be written in there as, you know, as activity going towards this goal of reaching whatever. Right now, there's not a minimum requirement of how much you need to spend for sustainability options, et cetera. But the fact is the SEC is now tracking it. So in the future, if you're a public company, you will have to report how much you spend on sustainability. Think about that. That's crazy. Because yeah. we have all sorts of incentives to report, you know, right now to report how much we own in land, for example, as Amazon, how much uh, real estate spend do we buy, how much CapEx do we spend on a yearly basis. Canada tracks that, like, so closely to the details. And so this type of spending is incentivized. And I believe companies who have a lot of money will want to do this type of, you know, activity. Yep. So, you know, first of all, very, very generous generous of them to share the heat with the, the nearby church and the homeless. So that's the uh, primary thing there. So, so like you mentioned, you know, heat reuse, heat recovery, it's not a new concept. So there is nothing uh, new and innovative. It's about how we putting different Legos together and how we are bringing down the dollar per megawatt uh, hour on, on these uh, in an economical fashion that it doesn't hit our TCO and it doesn't affect our uh, uh, performance at the tail end but but yeah it's it's doable and that's what we are uh, propelling like you know we are getting into the places like johannesburg in south south, south africa or you know i always go back towards mm. chennai yeah. where you know water is still a scare, uh, scarce uh, resource so in in those places if we could repurpose the waste heat and use it for you know you know powering or, or water usage you know all, all those uh, areas are going to adapt that at whatever cost what does pco stand for again I said TCO. Uh, oh, TCO, total cost of ownership. Yeah. That's right. I learned that today. Oh, that today. okay. <laughs> TCO. Yeah, I'm not an engineer, so <laughs> yeah, total I don't know cost that of stuff. Ownership, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I I, uh, I took it for granted talking to you guys, but yeah, uh, the total cost of ownership. We 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 try to bring down the associated cost. And I just want to point out one example of where the liquid cooling, again, can be even more useful than uh, uh, air cooling. So, like, you know, in my example, I said, you know, air comes in at 30, 30 degrees, 30 degrees Celsius, depending on where exactly your data center is located. It goes out at 35, 40 degrees C max. Whereas in a liquid cooled setup, you can bring the water in at 
uh, as high as 55, 60 degrees C, and then it, it already exits out at like 70, 75 degrees C, depending on the liquid cooling application type. So you may not need the intermediate heat pump or heat lift up, and it's already in a liquid form, which is which is good for you to transport across the uh, under the ground, and you can take it to the nearby place, uh, which could be four or five kilometers away from your data center campus, and they don't have to be co-located or right next to your campus, these applications. So that's where uh, the advantages of liquid cooling comes in. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you when you talk about all this innovation and stuff, it's just like, I don't know, I absolutely, the one thing that was going in my head was, man, I love capitalism. Not in the sense that uh, we are making it an unequal society. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant that when your backs are against the walls, human ingenuity will figure out a way. And here we are making data centers more power efficient and also helping the local communities. Like profits does not need to come in the way of actual stakeholders. You know, it can go hand in hand. So that was really nice to hear. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and and you know that's why the SEC is collecting all these information because in the future there will be additional regulation that will force you to do certain things, and uh, you know it's just an additional thing, obviously, yep. uh, that's going to help us track how people are actually doing. Yeah, yeah. One of my managers, you know, she tossed this term, or they've been using this term, like "pimby, please in my backyard." Uh, yeah, people, we want people to be calling us, yeah. and you know that's an opposite to not in my backyard. Yeah, Don't you can do your yeah. stuff, but not in my backyard, <laughs> yeah. which is a big movement yeah. that has taken over California. Where now, hopefully, yeah. though, there is a sentiment shift where we can all you know come together to have a more positive impact and create cool technologies. And yes, ultimately, it comes down to profits, but all of it we can take all of it into account. Yep. <laughs> Cooling technology. Um, anyway uh, I know we're totally totally over time here but uh, but, you know we really appreciate like learning about all this stuff and having this chat with you how would our listeners be able to read more about your work connect with you follow all your work that you do because it's highly innovative yeah folks could uh, reach out to me directly over LinkedIn I am usually responsive uh, you know answering the questions Uh, and you know please feel free to check out the Azure sustainability page check out the google scholar links where we have done few publications pretty recently at microsoft um, and of course you know feel free to check out uh, you know ocp which is the open compute uh, platform where you know all the major players across the industry uh, work together so you know th- those are a few useful resources where you could download and watch and read and learn about some of these innovation technologies across the chip uh, across the you know liquid cooling technology and at a facility level you know management and you know heat recovery type applications awesome that's great but thank you so much this was extremely fun learned so much uh, even with some of the stuff that we've been reading still learned so much there's a lot yeah. to take away so thank you yeah for and that. thanks once again Throughout this conversation with Bada, Shikhar and I learned so much about why data centers are starting to become an industry to watch. Although we've branded it as one of the most profitable businesses of the 21st century, we also acknowledge that it's going to continue to take a toll on our environment. Researchers and engineers like Bharat are the people that are working to improve the way we use technology so that it doesn't have to be technology versus the environment. The way we use the internet can have positive consequences too. Start by weeding out your inbox, deleting emails you no longer need, 
and typing a website's name directly into the browser. Searching for a site and then clicking on it emits four times as many greenhouse gaps. As a lover of technology, maybe you can start learning about these problems and help build the solution for the future of data centers. We're putting some links in the description to help you get started. And you heard him. Reach out if you'd like to know more. Until next time, stay curious.